Hey everyone, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. If you have subscribed to this podcast, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithful following and for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. If you're new to this podcast, I want to welcome you. I hope that you find great value in each and every one of the episodes. If you like it, please subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and a comment. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Today's podcast is a series of three episodes. It's called COVID-19 and its three demons, depression, anxiety, and fear. Your supermarket boy? How's that going, by the way? Oh, uh, that didn't take. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You really get through them, don't you? I guess it looks like that. Well, I guess you're only young once. I'm bipolar. Really? Yes. I have been since I was 15. How come you never told me? (laughs) Well, who wants to hire someone with a mental illness and entertainment law? Aren't we crazy enough? So why are you telling me now? Because you're more than work. And you should know what you're dealing with if we're gonna see each other outside of the office, which I would like. But I have incredibly low periods. So low that I can barely move. I am impossible to be around. I uh, can barely answer the phone. I'm totally unreliable as a friend. In fact, in some ways, I'm probably the worst friend you could ever have. Uh, Don't check a single box. So where are you right now, mood-wise? I'm coming off of a low. Tonight I'll be pretty manic. You're the first person I've ever told about this. How does it feel telling me? Like an elephant's taken one of its feet off my chest. (laughs) I'm so glad you've told me. It explains so much. If anything, not knowing made it a little difficult to connect with you fully, the way I would have wanted. So you want to get a drink sometime? You want to go to the movies? You want to see people? All of the above. You are the most fun I've ever been around. I'm not letting that go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a clip from one of the final scenes uh, from Modern Love, and that was Anne Hathaway, who portrays a character named Lexi, who happens to be bipolar. For some of you listening today, this scene sounds quite foreign. However, you would be surprised to find out that the majority of the listeners today have either experienced a moment of depression or have been around someone who was severely depressed or manic. You know, COVID-19 and this quarantine has really been the tipping point. A lot of people have developed or discovered that they were suffering with underlying issues that really have affected their life. I've never seen as many new clients as I have during these past four months that have been suffering, you know, battling with uh, fear and, and anxiety 
and depression. And that's why I've named this series COVID-19 and its three demons, depression, anxiety, and fear, just to name a few, because it is a reality that we're dealing with today. You see, I read the other day that the suicidal hotline has increased by a thousand percent. They've been receiving a thousand percent more calls than usual. This is something that we are dealing with today that is going to have long-lasting effects tomorrow. And if they're not dealt with, if they're not dealt with right away, if they are just swept under the rug, it will only be a matter of time before it becomes a ticking time bomb and explodes. When you're suffering from depression, life can almost seem overwhelmingly bleak and hopeless. It can interfere with your ability to think straight. It'll drain your energy and make it so difficult to get through the day. Let me just tell you that isolation and loneliness really sucks, and it fuels depression. You see, we are social creatures, so being cut off from the love, support, and close contact of family and friends can trigger depression or even make existing symptoms worse. The U.S. Census Bureau recently reported that a third of Americans show signs of clinical depression and anxiety. These and other mental conditions are becoming amplified during the pandemic. COVID-19 patients and their families are also at high risk for developing anxiety and depression. Dr. Maurizio Fava psychiatrist-in-chief within the Department of Psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital. He said that it's quite understandable that COVID-19 pandemic is likely to cause significant stress and psychological distress for a large proportion of the population. And we know that the rates are progressively increasing. According to Dr. Fava, there are various factors related to COVID-19 that contribute to the increase in depression rates, including trauma from widespread disease, grief over losses of life, fear of getting sick, unprecedented physical distancing, financial concerns, including unemployment and housing insecurity, loss of community, and reduced access to caregivers. Now, let me tell you, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer and just present all the negative facts and numbers, I do want to say that there is hope. There are ways, there are techniques, there, there's therapy that will help you overcome the feelings of depression, the feelings of anxiety. But like I said earlier, you can't just brush it under the rug. You have to face the facts and deal with it. Now, I do understand that a lot of people dealing with depression today, clinical depression, a small portion of the population uh, requires some form of medication because there is an imbalance of neurotransmitters, whether it may be serotonin or norepinephrine, and they require the extra help. However, a large portion of the population dealing with anxiety or depression today are in need of therapy. They need counseling. They need to be taught techniques on how to uh, cope and shift their mindset so that they can get out of that place that they are in, which a lot of people describe as being stuck. And so there are ways, there are skills that can be taught in order to get unstuck. Having someone to talk to is profitable. 
someone that will hear you out. However, I do want to encourage you, if you're suffering from depression today, that you would find someone that could help you, someone who is a professional, someone who's been trained in uh, counseling or an LPC or a therapist. Some of you probably know that I am a minister of the gospel. I'm a pastor. I was ordained many years ago, although I don't uh, function as a full-time pastor. Of course, I will always share the message of hope with, uh, with anyone. One of the things that I have seen is a big mistake within the church is that people who are suffering from depression will oftentimes go up for prayer or they will seek uh, a counselor within the church. And a lot of times those counselors have had very little training or instruction. They just have good intentions and a great heart to serve other people and to help them uh, in their process of healing. However, they have a tendency to see all of these cases from a spiritual perspective. And let me tell you, not all depression and anxiety is spiritual. In other words, it's not a spiritual stronghold. It's not a demonic oppression. It's not a door that someone opened through sin. It is simply the result of someone having been exposed to a traumatic experience that has completely warped the way that they see life. Now, let me just make something very clear. I believe that the Word of God is always going to bring forth transformation. The Word itself says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Who is the truth? Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, when you incorporate Scripture, when dealing with someone who is suffering from anxiety and depression, of course, it is going to help in the process. But let me tell you, we also need to incorporate psychology. And so, you need to understand what is going on in the mind and in the spirit. Of course, so we incorporate three different things. We incorporate psychology, theology, and spirituality in order to produce a complete and long long-lasting transformation in the individual's life. So what am I saying? Well, what I'm saying is seek professional help. Don't just go over to your neighbor and expect them to help you through the process. Like I said, a good listening ear is great. However, you still need someone who can provide you with the right directives. And, and so understand if you're a person of faith, make sure that you find someone who can incorporate biblical truth into the process. So along those same lines, let me just say this, that if you are walking in the darkness of depression right now, I want to share four basic biblical truths that will hopefully help you see things from a different perspective. Number one is that you need to see your life, your life, from God's perspective, not your own. He cares about you, and he has positive plans for your life. You see, the Lord himself said this, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. Number two, you need to know that God has a purpose for everything that touches you. Nothing in your life occurs that has not first been filtered, listen, filtered through God's fingers of love. If God has allowed you to go through a process, he guarantees he will use it for your good and for his glory. One of my favorite scriptures is Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who have been called according to his purpose. What a beautiful promise. Number three is that you need to know that there will be times when your heart will be pressed down. 
but also times of restoration because God, God is a healer of broken hearts. He heals us when we give our heart to him and he knows how to restore our joy. 2 Corinthians 4 says we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You need to know and understand that no matter how great your discouragement, no matter how disheartened you may be today, God can open up your eyes to his unique design for your life. You see, just as storms replenish the dry, parched soil giving birth to new life, the storms in your life, they can revitalize your relationship with God and give birth to personal growth beyond what you could ever ask, think, or imagine. The psalmist wrote, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. I've always said that affliction has the potential to cause us to develop a greater hunger and thirst for God's presence. On June 20th, 2001, the whole world was shocked when Andrea Yates systematically drowned her children in the bathtub. All five of her children, ranging in ages from six months to seven years. And the world asked, how could a mother do the unthinkable? Kill her own kids? What could drive a mother to commit such a heinous crime five times in a row? Depression. Yes, depression, but not just normal depression, rather a psychotic depression that caused Andrea Yates to break with reality. Psychotic depression is a major depressive disorder. It is, it's a severe state of depression. A psychosis involves disassociation or a loss of contact with reality. The psychotic person can experience hallucinations or delusions and even schizophrenia. There are three other forms of depression, and starting with the more mild one is normal depression or situational depression. Basically, it's an involuntary reaction to painful pressure. It's the normal problems of life pressing down on the heart for a short period of time. It could be rejection or failure or, or illness. And the transitional stages of life often press the heart down like adolescence and empty nesting or a midlife crisis or major moves in life, menopause, or even retirement. And since it's a mild form of depression, it is quite temporary and can be dealt with uh, more easily. The second form of depression is a hidden type depression or masked depression. It's a state of buried unresolved conflict where it's when you deny or cover up the, uh, the true painful feelings in your heart. It's also resorting to excessive activity, uh, trying to relieve pain in a very unconscious or subconscious way. And the third one is neurotic depression. Now, this is uh, neighboring to psychotic depression. Uh, neurotic depression, a minor depressive disorder, is a, a prolonged state of depression, longer than the normal time frame needed for emotional recovery. The symptoms interfere with normal biological and social activities, and it can always be traced back to a precipitating event. So the question is, could Andrea Yates' situation been avoided? Of course. Had she received the proper help, her children would be alive today. So a lot of people ask me, is depression a sin? Well, let me say this, not always, but it can become a sin if you're depressed over the consequences of your sinful actions and you don't attempt to change them. You just keep on 
repeating that same thing over and over and over, and your guilt is consuming you to the point where you are depressed. Or if you're using your depression as a tool to manipulate other people, and you choose to to hold on to self-pity and anger, and you continually choose to blame God and others for your unhappiness. Now that, yes, that is a sin. So were there any clues to the seriousness of Andrea Yates' mental depression? Did anyone realize that children could be in serious danger? After the five children were drowned by their mother, the media quickly learned that this rigidly religious family had been dealing with Andrea's severe depression actually for several years. The newspapers reported that in 1999, she had attempted suicide not only once, but twice. And because of her severe postpartum depression, following the birth of their fourth son, the couple was also advised to have no more children, yet a fifth child was born. The Yates situation is definitely not the the norm. It's not a standard one. And although many people become seriously despondent, the majority of those who experience the common forms of depression will never be led to commit acts that result in such a drastic consequence. You know, we all experience normal depression at one point in our lives. When life doesn't go as planned or physical exhaustion just kicks in and leaves us drained of our natural ability to rebound from disappointments. During these times, we can mask our real feelings from ourselves, closing off all authentic intimacy with the Lord and others. However, failure to honestly confront our feelings can lead to clinical depression, which is a a neurotic or psychotic form of it. But those who heed the danger signs, they see the red flags and work through their painful feelings, although it may take weeks and even months they will avoid needless and excessive suffering. Solomon wrote, A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Now, let me just say this. It's easy. It's easy for the people on the outside looking at the individual suffering from depression and to assume that they know what's best for the individual, to assume that they know what the corrective measures should be for that one individual. But in all reality, it's not until that individual, that 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 person that is going through the depressive state, until that individual finds it for himself or herself that they will be able to, to really gain something from it. In other words, I go back to what Carl Jung said. He was a psychoanalyst. Analyst. He said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it your fate or your destiny. You see, they have to get to the point where they find out what it is through a counselor or a therapist professional guidance through a non-directive approach. Otherwise, it won't have any positive effect in their life. Now, I think the worst thing that we can do for an individual who is suffering from depression is to simply say, you're depressed. That's your problem. You are depressed. That's like telling somebody, well, you have a stomach ache. Yeah, that's your problem. You have a stomach ache. No, help me find what is causing the stomach ache. Depression is just a label, but it doesn't say anything at all. Depression can be caused by so many different elements, so many different variables. And those are the things that need to be treated because depression itself is just a term. It is a label. It is not an affliction. We have to find what is afflicting the individual. 
Depressed people will say things like, I can't do anything right. Why even try? I'm so useless. I hate myself. <laughs> Look at so-and-so. And they compare themselves. I must have done something wrong. Nobody loves me. Regarding their situation, they'll say things like, I don't see any way out of this. It didn't matter anyways. I can't do anything about it. I can't bear it. This is intolerable. It's not fair. I'm helpless and hopeless and I can't change this. And as they look into the future, they say things like, so what? Nothing will change. I'm hopeless. No one will ever love me. I'm too old. I'm too ugly. I'm too short. I'm too tall. That was my last chance for happiness. I have nothing, absolutely nothing to live for. As for Andrea Yates, she became spiritually unbalanced. It was unhealthy. She had a greater focus on Satan and and, and demons and, and evil and sin than on God and grace. Ultimately, she had visions and heard voices that claimed that she was evil, that Satan was inside of her, and that the only way to get rid of him was for her to be executed. She had to kill the children, as Satan demanded, in order to get the death penalty. Andrea said this about her children. She said, They stumbled because I was evil. The way I was raising them, they could never be saved. They were doomed to perish in the fires of hell. Ultimately, after all five deaths, she hoped that her children would be in heaven. Now, let me tell you something. These cases are not isolated ones. You see, there are people all over the world suffering from these inside voices and these feelings. They go completely unnoticed, and oftentimes they take their own lives. Andrea Yates had been suicidal, hospitalized, and recently taken off the medications that had actually been helpful to her. Then she was struggling with postpartum psychosis because of the hormonal fluctuations in the mother's body. The psychotic disorder affects one or two out of every 1,000 birth mothers. People said that depression is anger turned inward, and that statement is not always true, though. But it is true when anger is repressed. Repression occurs when unacceptable desires and emotions are blocked from a person's awareness and left to operate in the unconscious. This stuffed anger or swallowed anger takes longer to come into God's light so that any underlying bitterness can be exposed. You see, bitterness can be a cause of depression. Even our deep disappointments must be resolved or else our bitterness will cause trouble and unresolved anger and bitterness will hurt those close to us. The author of Hebrews says it this way. He says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, as I mentioned earlier, there are also spiritual sources of depression. They're not always linked to your psyche or linked to a lack of neurotransmitters or an imbalance of those neurotransmitters. Just as there are physical, emotional, and mental reasons for depression, there are also spiritual ones. Disobedience and guilt provide enough fertile seed uh, to turn any white cloud into a dark storm. You can't harbor the guilt of displeasing God and still experience the full joy of his salvation. Come on, let's let's be honest. Nor can you withstand the the evil schemes and attacks of the enemy against your mind without knowing and appropriating the word of life into your own. You see, disobedience and guilt are inseparable. And unless you apply the remedy of confession and, and repentance, you may find depression sweeping over your soul and spirit and as did the disobedient Israelites. 
So the question is, were the family and friends of Andrea Yates aware of the seriousness of her depression? Many people wondered, did Andrea's husband do enough to ensure his wife's safety and the safety of their children? Well, the court trial revealed that Rusty had admitted Andrea to institutions for her severe depression several times, and twice she was released prematurely. He appealed unsuccessfully, of course, to her last doctor, stating that she needed the medication that had been proven successful in the past. Eventually, a schedule was arranged where Rusty left for work every morning at 9. Then his mother came at 10 to help Andrea with the children, their homeschooling, and their housework. Andrea was left alone at the home with the children for only one hour out of each day. But during that one hour on June 20th, 2001, Andrea carried out each drowning. If you have been suffering with prolonged depression, there are certain things that you can do to mitigate uh, the effects of it. First, you need to obtain a medical checkup, of course, and tell the doctor that you're feeling unusually depressed, and you have to be specific. Ask the doctor to evaluate all medications you are taking, if that's the case, and eliminate what's unnecessary. Ask them if there's any medication that could be contributing to your depression. Develop regular sleeping habits. Sleep is therapeutic. Only during deep sleep does the brain produce serotonin, which alleviates depression. So make it a point to set a regular time to go to sleep and to rise. Try to set up a regular schedule of your activities. In other words, be a little more structured. Find time to gather with other people. And even if you can't currently because of the quarantine and COVID, try to find time to get on a FaceTime or a Zoom call simply to interact with other people. They could be an encouragement to you. Also eliminate stress. Avoid being overly fatigued. In other words, minimize some of your activities if you are burdened with excessive activity causing you to feel uh, fatigue. Make sure that you eliminate some of that. Schedule some quiet time. Time to relax. Time to reflect. A time where you can find a comfy chair, sit down, relax, kick up your feet, listen to some uh, relaxing music or even some white noise. Make it a point to eat more nutritious meals regularly. In other words, avoid things like caffeine, alcohol, excessive salt, and of course, junk food. Stay away. Now listen, stay away from sugar. Refined sugar is deadly. Avoid it. Especially during this quarantine, understand that the excessive consumption of refined sugar will adversely affect your immune system, weakening you, making you a lot more susceptible to acquiring any kind of disease. And also avoid milk. Yes, milk. You've been told milk, it does a body good. <laughs> well, that is such a lie. Now, I'm talking about dairy. I'm not talking about almond milk or oat milk. I am talking about cow's milk. A lot of people have been fed the lie that milk is good for you. Well, let me tell you, if milk were so good for you, they would give it to you at the hospital, but they don't. Why? Milk is an inflammatory. It does not do any good to your body. 
So eliminate dairy from your diet and get some regular exercise, whether you walk, jog, or swim, or just power walk. Do it for at least four days a week, 20 minutes a day. Break a sweat. It's going to help you release endorphins, which are natural mood elevators. You know, you've probably heard about runners. They call it the runner's high, and that a lot of runners will say that they love running because it, it, it does something. It, it elevates their, their, their mood and it makes them feel better. It puts them into a different state of mind. Well, that's exactly what happens when you exercise. So go out and get active. And lastly, spend some time in the sun. Go out and enjoy God's creation. Look, research reveals that 30 minutes of sunshine can help alleviate depression. That's why you have countries where there's very little sunlight or they have fewer hours of sunlight a day. Those are the countries with the highest uh, depression rates. And, and let me ask you, when, when is depression the most evident? There are, there's seasonal depression, and that's usually during the winter months. Seasonal affective disorder, also called SAD for its acronym, is a form of depression associated with deprivation of sunlight. SAD, also called the winter blues, typically begins in the fall with shorter days and less sunlight and subsides in the spring as the days get longer. Too little sunlight entering the eye produces in the brain a hormone called melatonin, which is released with the onset of darkness. Too much melatonin creates a biochemical imbalance in the hypothalamus region in the brain. In animals, melatonin controls hibernation and causes a decrease in activity. In humans, SAD causes symptoms such as excessive sleep, lethargy, overeating, and depression. So make it a point to get 30 minutes of sunlight every day. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 11.7, he said, Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. And ask your doctor about supplementation. Uh, nutritional therapy for depression is good for you. Taking vitamins B6 and vitamin E, calcium, magnesium, and folic acid. These are all good for combating depression. And also avoid negative people at all cost. Those so-called energy vampires, those people that suck the life out of you, that, that carry that negative vibe with them. Find time to relate to those who make you laugh, <laughs> that are fun to be around. See, the Bible says that a merry heart is good medicine, but a bitter heart crushes the bones. You don't need more negativity in your life. You need someone who's going to be a ray of light. There's a story in the Old Testament about David. David and his men had just fought the Philistine army and they had defeated them. So they came back victorious. They came back to a campsite where they had temporarily set up a place for their wives and children to stay at. They had all their possessions there. And as they were approaching the campsite, they noticed that nobody was there. The campsite had been decimated, destroyed, obliterated. At the midnight hour, the Amalekites had come and destroyed and taken everything, including the women and the children. So David is coming back from a place of victory and encounters a place of defeat. And the men that supported him, that loved him, that followed him are now talking about killing him. And David hears their conversation. So David is 
downcast. He is burdened. He is hurt. He is saddened to the point of death. And the Bible says that he cried until he had no more tears to cry. I don't know if you've ever been there before where you have gotten to a point of sadness that you cry and it's almost like you've run out of tears. A lot of people who suffer from depression know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been to that point. You've been to that place where David was at. And so David, after hearing all this, and, and, and before falling into a, a, a spiral of depression, David goes off, and what the Bible says next is powerful. The Bible says, and David encouraged himself. So, so he went on. He didn't find encouragement in his friends or, or in his spouse or in his children because they weren't even there. He went off, and the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God, and in him he found strength. I want you to pay close attention to that. He encouraged himself and God strengthened him. So oftentimes people will ask me when I'm talking about depression and anxiety, they'll ask, what about Jesus? I mean, he was God, but also man. Did he ever go through moments of anxiety and depression? And I, and I tell them the story that Luke describes in his gospel where Jesus was at Mount Gethsemane. He was at the Mount of Olives, which was the word Gethsemane comes from the words Gat Shamanim, which stand for olive press. I mean, he was at a place and he was about to be pressed himself uh, sacrificially for, for mankind. And so Jesus is there and the Bible says that he was so downcast. He was going through such excruciating emotional pain that he cried out to God and he said, Lord, you know, I don't really want to go through this, but not my will, but your will be done. And then Luke goes on to explain. I love Luke because Luke, uh, he writes with great detail. Remember that uh, Luke was a doctor and so he was very well educated. Uh, You know, I won't get into theology, but the writers of the gospels, God used and the Holy Spirit wrote through them. However, God never changed their personality or their writing style. So Luke was very descriptive and Luke describes Jesus while at Gethsemane going before God. So remember he left the uh, the disciples uh, a distance away and he said, please don't fall asleep. He said, uh, pray. And of course, you know how that ended. They ended up falling asleep. And Jesus goes off and he goes into the uh, the mount there at Gethsemane and he finds a quiet place. And that's when he starts talking to God. And Luke says that he started to sweat like drops of blood. And people sometimes think that that is just a descriptive way of writing, uh, just a form of literary uh, description. But in all reality, Jesus was literally, he was literally sweating drops of blood. Now, how's that possible, people ask? Is it even possible? So I go on to explain that this condition is known as hemidrosis. It's, an, it's actually a condition in which the capillary blood vessels that, that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood. And you know what? It only occurs under conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress. So what I hope you understand is that Jesus experienced your pain. So when you think that nobody understands what you're going through, that no one has ever experienced what you are feeling, let me tell you, Jesus himself experienced excruciating agony, affliction, depression, anxiety, and to a point, even fear. And if you have never experienced depression to the point of feeling incapacitated, handicapped, stuck in a hole, 
or stuck in a dark place, as many describe it, if you've never experienced that, but you know someone who is, do yourself and that other person a favor. And don't say things like, just snap out of it, man. Come on, seriously? Or let me encourage you. Let me, let me send you the latest YouTube video. Let me, let me send you some kind of a, a clip from a movie to get you out of that funk. Come on, man, you can do it. Motivation is not going to do it. There is a deeper need. There is a need for professional help. So do them a favor. Help them. Help them find the help. Help them get to that help. Help them through the process. Show empathy. Listen. And above all, show the love and compassion of Christ. Depression is real, and it destroys individuals and families. Let me end this episode with a scripture from Isaiah 43.2. And I want you to pay close attention to it, especially if you are going through deep waters of depression right now. The word says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Please understand that you're not going through this alone. God is still God, and he is still on your side. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Love you in Christ. If this episode has touched you in a very special way because you're suffering right now or you know someone who's suffering from depression, won't you just leave us a comment? Let us know what you think. Let us know what you're feeling. Let us know what you're struggling with. Or connect with me on Instagram at Milton Lewis, that's L-O-U-I-S, Gonzalez, G-O-N-Z, A-L-E-Z. Let's connect. Comment on today's episode or simply send a message. I look forward to hearing from you.